This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie. And I'm Leah. Last week, we spoke about the beginning of John Bonet's case. During this episode, we will wrap it up and be up to date on where the case stands today. If you haven't listened to part one and want to have a clear understanding of the case, please pause this episode and go listen to part one of John Bonet's case. So jumping right in, in 2000, John and Patsy Ramsey published a New York Times bestseller titled The Death of Innocence and gave a sit-down interview to Barbara Walters, steadfastly maintaining that no one from their family had killed John Bonet. In 2006, Patsy died of cancer. The same year, a teacher, John Mark Carr, confessed to murdering her daughter and he ended up being cleared because his DNA did not match the samples found at the scene. That's horrible. Yep. So he I, just confessed to it. Yeah, because he, a lot of people were speculating that it was him oh. um, because he was, I guess, like creepy and, you know, mm-hmm. um, inappropriate, mm-hmm. but it was never proven or anything. So then he came forward and confessed. And do you think that was almost just like him having almost like a breakdown because everyone was speculating that it was mm, him? And I feel like it was more so uh not a power trip, but a, like, a psychopath. I don't even know. It's like he was demented in the head and thought it was a good idea to confess something to get the attention. Okay, so, kind, kind of. yeah, kind of like in the Amy Mahalovic, those random people mm-hmm. confessing to the murder. Yeah, because who knows and why people pretty, do that. I don't understand it. I'm horrible. sure there's some, something wrong with them <laughs> to where they need to do that, but I don't understand it. So then in 2008, new advancements in touch DNA officially cleared the Ramsey family of John Bonet's death, which is a big deal because obviously there was so much speculation especially, on the son and mm-hmm. Patsy. Yeah, say so the, the brother especially. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the Boulder authorities came forward and sent a letter to apologize to the Ramsey family, but suspicion and public perception still remained on the Ramsey family, which I is understandable. Can, yeah. Because if it's not them and there's no explanation for it, people will always just stick with what seems like it's going to fit. So even though DNA ruled them out, public perceptions like, well, it seems like it should be the family that did it. So we're for just sure. going to believe that it's the family and something here is not right. Mm-hmm. And also another thing I was wondering and thinking about is the situation when it comes to they had those two ginormous christmas parties right so how do they know this dna i just like wonder about the dna situation because with those, how is it obtained yeah like those two huge parties mm-hmm. there was hundreds of people in their house but even before the police quarantined the crime scene well before they even knew there was a crime scene they had a bunch of friends over coming in and out yeah coming in and out of the home and mm-hmm. then they went down to the basement and they carried her upstairs so where exactly did the I mean, it must Where did have, it come from? It had to have come from her, is my guess. Yeah. From like her, her body. body. Yeah. yeah. But I still, it's great the family was ruled out because that's what they were saying all yeah. along. But then that makes it almost even a little bit worse because it's like, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then jump forward two years from the DNA advancements. Further testing had been conducted on the samples and experts now believe that the sample is actually from two individuals rather than one. Oh, wow. Which is another huge development. So then jumping forward again to 2015, John Ramsey again sat down with Barbara Walters to revisit the case, which I'm believing during this time, he, I'm assuming, is talking to the cops as needed. Yeah. Because, you know, in the beginning, they were very hesitant to talk to the police. Yeah. 
because of, you know, some people looked at that as guilt and we look at it as kind of being smart because they're already being convicted before being proven yeah. by the public. Yep. And so I, you know, it makes sense that they're nervous, but then mm-hmm. also at the same time, it's like, wouldn't you Want. rather just hurry up and clear yourself to get. Yeah. When you want to aid the, the police and yeah. every effort. But yeah. I get it, too. I yes. mean, the public does a really good job, too, of making you, in a sense, distrust the police. Because, unfortunately, there are instances where police have planted evidence mm-hmm. or they've done things that they shouldn't have and the wrong person goes to jail for it. For sure. So I can see how they're looking at it like, well, maybe these police are trying to set us up, so we should be quiet. Mm-hmm. But then the public's like, well, why aren't you doing more? So Yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword, yep. for sure. So then in 2016, Burke, uh, JonBenet's brother, gave a televised interview to Dr. Phil, also proclaiming his innocence. And this interview was huge because he had mm-hmm. never talked publicly. He had never talked I remember anything, it. like mm-hmm. nothing, you know. And it was a huge deal that he was talking. And, of course, it was Dr. Phil out of all people. Mm-hmm. And I will say during this interview, he had a – not a smile, but kind of a smile. And people were very disturbed they by this. They were. And psychologists, a million psychologists, mm-hmm. have gone and watched this interview and said it is definitely a out of comfort. Like, he was very uncomfortable during the interview. Yeah. Because he never had spoken publicly. He, you know, never had that spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. And Well, in the Dr. Phil interviews, in my opinion, any, any of them that I've ever watched, they're very intrusive. Oh, and yeah. They ask questions that would make anyone uncomfortable you Mm -hmm. almost get like that secondhand embarrassment watching the interview because you feel uncomfortable for the person that's talking exactly and you know someone that's never been interviewed publicly Mm -hmm. before and this is like a huge huge case case. you know he's Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable he's worried i'm sure about saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing and acting the wrong way and which then in turn kind of he did act the wrong way no matter how he acted though they were gonna criticize yeah for sure if he would have cried they would have been like he's so over the top Mm -hmm. you know there's it's just there's a million things they could have said so yeah i just want i i would recommend watching the interview i did watch it and it was you know I, i i guess you could say interesting you know and i could see where people were like okay yeah he's smiling the whole time but to me it definitely just comes off as uncomfortable like he doesn't know what to do with himself you know what i'm saying so then in november of 2022 boulder police and district attorney issued a release about the ongoing homicide investigation announcing they would be consulting with the colorado cold case review team in 2023 since jamini's murder detectives have investigated leads stemming from more than 21 thousand tips letters and emails authorities said it in a release we have traveled to 19 states to interview or speak with more than a thousand individuals the release added the boulder agencies were also working with the fbi the cbi colorado's department of public safety and several private laboratories across the country the amount of dna evidence available for analysts is extremely small and complex the sample could in whole or in part be consumed by DNA testing. The release <laughs> continued. In collaboration with the CBI and the FBI, there have been several discussions with private DNA labs about the viability of continued testing of DNA recovered from the crime scene and genetic genealogy analysts. Whenever there is proven technology that can reliably test forensic samples consisting with the samples available in this case, additional analysts will be conducted. Pretty much saying... They are very concerned about the amount of DNA they have because, though obviously, if you keep continuing to use it, 
less and less less you have, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really make sense to me because like, can you duplicate DNA? Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't, as far as I know, not. I'm wondering that because not well enough to be able to. It might not like hold up in court if they do that. Well, and I think the age of the DNA probably plays a part in it as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. So obviously they're doing as much as they can, but they're also being very vigilant because they don't want to use it up and, mm-hmm. and not have it pretty yeah. much is what they're saying. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yet another book was published about this case, but with this book in particular, there were documents submitted with it. It talked about how the DNA cleared, quote unquote, the Ramses within the first few weeks to months of JonBenet's murder. And... That was a big deal because, you know, this whole time the police said they were not cleared. So then there is this book that came out and they were like, well, no, actually there are documents proving that they were cleared within the first month or months of JonBenet being murdered. And the police never said it publicly. And then people were speculating the police were against them the whole time and trying to make it seem like the Ramsey family did it. Mm -hmm. When the book came out, a a detective later came out and stated it doesn't prove that it was an outsider, in my opinion, he told Fox News Digital. And that's because assuming that all the DNA was done correctly, there was a lot of foreign DNA on hands and fingers and under fingernails and just touching things and shaking hands with people. So when he's talking about this, he's talking about the clearing of the Ramsey family. So he's like, yes, that could have cleared the family, but not really because of all these Mm -hmm. scenarios. So there were just too many unknowns of where the DNA came from, whose DNA it was, and all that, just because he had so many people in their house when the crime first happened. And so it just, they couldn't clear them specifically because of that reason. That makes sense. Like, I totally get it, you know? And why would you say you're going to clear them if you 100% don't know it? You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Obviously, it makes sense. Well, because you come out and say they're cleared, but then maybe evidence comes to light that... They aren't. Yeah, they aren't clear. Yeah, then you kind of have to go back, oh, just kidding. We didn't do our jobs right the first time. (laughs) Yeah, and which makes them very unreliable looking. So I get it. So they have to walk a pretty thin line as well. Exactly. In the part one, we talked about the ransom note that Patsy found, and that was the original start of this whole investigation and crime and everything. So we will post pictures of the ransom note, and I can post a link to it as well so you can read it. I won't read it in the podcast because it is long for a ransom note, but the gist of it is pretty much saying they have their daughter, they have John Bonet, they want them to withdraw $118,000, and 100000 will be in 100 bills, and the remaining 18000 will be in 20 bills. And then they were saying, like, make sure to bring it in a brown paper bag, and I'll call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. And then, you know, of course, they say don't contact anyone or else yada 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 that's the gist of it and of course patsy called the cops like within five seconds of finding the dang note mm-hmm. so which i think i would too I if would i had too. found right i mean what are i'm i'm in one person i'm not going to be able to do anything no i'm not gonna and be this able isn't to this isn't the movie exactly. i wouldn't know what to do at all i'd be like yeah okay i need the police <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. and i would tell them it says not to contact you but <laughs> i am anyways exactly yeah. i i think the whole like don't contact even in the movies, they should contact the cops. Yes. 99% of the time, it doesn't work out because yep. you didn't contact the cops. So, yep. like, come on. So, there were two huge theories 
and there still are. I mean, still people are saying these types of things, um, even though the family has been cleared. So the first theory is the family were involved. Uh, the initial investigation focused heavily on the Ramsey family for many reasons. The police felt that the ransom note was staged as it was unusually long for a ransom note. And it was written using a pen and paper from the Ramsey house. And it demanded almost the exact amount of money that John had received as a bonus earlier that year. Additionally, the Ramseys were reluctant to cooperate with the police, though they later said that this was because they feared the police would not conduct a full investigation and target them as easy suspects. However, all three members of the immediate family were questioned by investigators and submitted handwriting samples to compare to the ransom note. Both John and Burke were cleared of any suspicion of writing the note, although much was made that Patsy could not be conclusively cleared by her handwriting sample. This analyst was not further supported by any other evidence. And like we said multiple times, she, I don't think, was ever cleared with her handwriting. No. She had been tested like five or six times. It was all inconclusive. And it was all inconclusive. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just... It is a very large ransom note. Mm -hmm. And for it to be made right there in the home, to me, that's just very strange because if you're coming in and you're kidnapping this person's child and you want, you're leaving a ransom note, you're not taking the time to write the note and then risk the family coming down or somebody seeing you. Yeah. It just doesn't really. And there was a like usually, one. Yeah. Yeah, I it just it's weird. It is weird. It is very strange. And despite, you know, the larger pool of suspects, the media immediately focused on JonBenet's parents. And they spent years under the harsh limelight of the public eye mm -hmm. and being accused of killing their daughter. Now, I still I don't know. I know they were cleared, but it still is so just suspicious to me because of the fact. How do, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does someone break into your house, spend hours with your daughter in the basement without you hearing it? I just don't understand that. Well, not even that, but having the time to write a ransom note. I mean, she had food in her stomach. So, like, getting so they, her food, mm -hmm. writing a ransom note, taking the time to write one. Oh, I messed up. Let me rewrite that and do a different one. And then murdering her in the way that the way she was did. murdered yeah. is very, in my opinion, is very like intricate, very thought out, very pre-planned and time-consuming. Pre How do you used with the stuff in their house? And for the person that murdered to know that the stuff was in the house, they had to have already been in that house to know mm -hmm. where these items were because you don't just put together the tool that they used to murder her. I don't feel like that's something you just randomly are like, oh crap, I think I need to. Murder. Well, and it's just I like just with thought, how little she is, you yeah. could have done. You could have killed her, honestly, in a lot of ways. Yeah. With how tiny she was. Yes. So to take it to that extent, it took of a using lot a, of force. A Garrett. It's just I don't know. I don't. With know. Patsy's paintbrushes. Yeah. Like that what? were in the basement. It's just like you said. There's a lot of coincidence. I see why the family was looked at mm -hmm. so harshly because I, I'm looking at them harshly. Yes. Oh. It's like we always try to be objective about of the people that are um, accused of these crimes, but Something it's, very, <laughs> it's yeah. very hard not to look at this and think how it's not the family. And I guess what's kind of alarming too is how the detective come, came out and did say, assuming that the DNA was done correctly, 
so they cleared the Ramses because the DNA didn't match them, but they're also coming out and saying that that's assuming the DNA was done correctly. So the DNA might not have been done correctly. Again, it's just, it's very unfortunate, very mm-hmm. unfortunate because it's yeah. horrible what happened to her. And I, I don't know if we're well, ever going to really know. I don't, I don't, I think it's too long. I think we won't know. And I think, you know, with the whole, well, not everybody's being truthful. No, and the fact that they didn't border off the house, you know, mm-hmm. making sure no one was going in there to mess with the DNA, mm-hmm. I think, in which I understand to an extent that the police thought it was a kidnapping situation. Yeah. They did not think she was in the house. They did not think she was murdered in the house. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get that. But then at the same time, if you think there was an intruder in the house and you walk around the house and you don't see anything, I the thing I still cannot get over and... The weird thing is, I was thinking of this the other day when I was um, getting ready for work. I just do not understand because if someone, if a cop comes in and they think your daughter was kidnapped, Mm -hmm. they go up to her room, I'm assuming they search her room, Mm -hmm. looking for signs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Why would you have not gone to the basement? I don't, I can't get over how, why would they have not gone to the basement? They search the house lightly and they don't go to the basement for an intruder, like for a broken window, for anything any sign that that's how they got into the house well i don't understand i think that probably what the police did was they went first to the scene of the crime which would have been john benet's room to look to see okay was this a kidnapping like let's look at the evidence here and then they probably turned to the rest of the house but the father and a friend of the father went to the basement first so i think that but that that wasn't for like an hour after the cops showed up hmm. because the cops showed up. They searched. They did a quick sh- search of the house, which didn't include the basement, which is weird to me because if you see pictures of the basement, it wasn't like a creepy basement. It I seemed mean, like somewhat clean and put together. I can see it as like because there's there's different um, teams. So there's like police officers and they are just they're patrolmen. So I could see patrolmen coming and seeing, OK, do we have a kidnapping on our hands? And then taking the time to assess the situation, looking in the room, and then calling on the detective the team. Detective, yeah. So then the, the detectives need to come to the scene. So that could very well take an hour. And then to search the rest of the home, they probably had to consult like with the Ramseys. Yeah, because like, then the, you know, we're going to go ahead and the, search the rest of the home said, now. look and see if anything has was stolen. And that's when yeah. they went to the basement. So I can see why it would have taken an hour. and I Because police can't just come into a home and say, all right, you say it's a kidnapping, so we're going to search your entire home. I think there is, like, a chain of command they have to follow, mm. and they probably had to call other people to come in and help with the situation. And have them looked at, yeah. So that whole one hour, it seems like a lot to us, but I guess when you really think about all the people that are involved, it, it's probably realistic. Yeah. I just think it's so weird. They, Like, I, I get it, and I... I guess, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. You yeah. Would, you would think your assumption is that it was a kidnapping and not a murder, so you're going to send the family to look mm-hmm. instead of you being like, oh, this is this whole house is a crime scene. I need to go yeah. look before the family. See, so I, my, I, as, a, as a mother, if that were me, I mean, and maybe it's just because I watch and listen to too much true crime. Everyone makes fun of me. But I would be like, I need to look at this whole house. I need to see where this person came in, what the heck happened. And mm-hmm. I'd be like running to our basement and looking to see. So for me, it's like, how did you not think to, look to search your whole house before the police even got there? Yeah. You called the police. You waited for them to come. And then an hour later, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should search the whole house now. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, you guys go look at her room. 
I'm going to look everywhere else. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to see how this person came in and took well, and her. Well, they said there were no footprints outside because yeah. they said it. They mentioned there was no snow indications around any of the windows or anything. So the person had to, unless there was a side door that had like a. Was there any, there were no broken windows? No. Well, okay. I just want to say no, because there was in the basement, but from what I could tell, it was not an outside window. It was an inside window that was broken. What the? Like, you know, when you, okay, you know, like old schools, uh, when they have the door and then right above the door, there's a window that can open. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yes. So when there's a picture and it's of a broken window and this is the only supposed broken window in the whole house, it looked like that. It looked like a door with a window above it Mm -hmm. that could open, you know, a little bit. And yeah, that's the only window that was broken. And then they said there looked, there was no disturbance to any other doors. So this person had to have come in. Which, from what I can tell, there is no door to the basement. Um, mm-hmm. Or wait, no, there is. There is, yeah. Because they said there was a door that was not disturbed in the basement. So my guess is either it was snowed on and there was no, no footprints. Mm-hmm. Or it was plowed or, you know, shoveled. Mm-hmm. And there's cement, so you couldn't tell if there's a footprint on that or not. So my question is, either they went in the front door or the back door. I think the front door... <laughs> I mean, that's my thought is Yeah, it's the like, front did they door. forget to lock it? Because they were so yeah. tired. Yeah, well, and it was Christmas night. They had a really long day. And, and they did live in a really nice neighborhood. I was to say, from the sounds of it where they lived, they might not have ever in their minds thought that that was... They need to lock the doors. Yeah. And, yeah. But back, back during that time, I feel like that was a thing. Yeah. I mean, my parents left our doors unlocked sometimes. I mean, now I, my husband and I, we go through every single window and door. We make sure everything's locked, including our cars. But back then, I remember growing up, and we would have our doors, like, wide open to let the fresh air come in. We'd yeah. have windows open letting fresh air come in. You don't yeah. do that anymore. No. No. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't lock their door and because that's never a detail that's really stated whether it was locked or not. Mm -mm. So it makes me wonder if it was unlocked and that's how the intruder, if it really is an outside person, came in and got into the house. The only other type of like, I don't want to say intruder theory, but the only other theory that I ever thought of was they had all these parties maybe it could have been somebody in their circle that they just never would have assumed that knew like maybe how to get access to their home without disturbing anything. They knew where everything was. They knew what was, I mean, they would have had time to kind of like go through the house and see what was in the basement. And again, like think about the people in your house, mm -hmm. someone could go to your basement without you you even noticing. You would never know. It's so easy to slip Mm -hmm. away. But I mean, that person would have found, oh, Here's these paintbrushes. Oh, here's what I could do. This is what I could use this yeah. for. As disturbing as that is. How do they know that they didn't have someone? But that too, if they had such a large party, how do they know for certain that every single person that came to that party was somebody that they knew? Mm-hmm. Because when you go to a party, sometimes you bring a plus one and they've never met this family. Yeah. But you know the family. So they're like, oh, by extension, you're a good friend because we know so-and-so. Exactly. So, well, and I still... I want to come back to the whole um, John Bonet mentioning to her mom's friend mm-hmm. that Santa came and visited her. Yeah. I want to I want to bring that back up. Yeah. Later on, when, after we get through the second theory, mm-hmm. because that still is disturbing to me. Yeah. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. But so then the second theory that most people have is that there was a boot print found next to John Bonet's body, 
which did not belong to anyone in the family. There was also a broken window in the basement, which was believed to be the most likely point of entry for an intruder, which, like I said, from the pictures, it looks like that broken window is within the house, not on the outside of the house. So it doesn't make sense to me. I could be wrong. Like Maybe there was another planted. broken window. Yeah. And they didn't, I, I couldn't find pictures of it, but from what I saw, it looked like it was inside the house. So that was, that's weird to me, but yeah. I could be wrong. So don't hold me to it. Uh, additionally, there was DNA from drops of blood from an unknown male found on her underwear. So unknown male, that just means someone that isn't in the system. Someone that Correct. hasn't committed a crime. So yep. that Which, really could be anyone. It literally could and be. And they were rich people. I mean, they had friends that wouldn't have committed crimes. I'm just saying. Caught. Yep. I'm just saying. Exactly. So the floors in Ramsey's house were heavily carpeted, making it plausible for an intruder to have carried JonBenet downstairs without waking the family. Mm-hmm. The most famous outside suspect was John Carr, the teacher. Um, he was a school teacher who emailed details of JonBenet's murder to the police he was arrested in 2006 when he confessed he had drugged and sexually assaulted her. Carr was eventually dismissed as a suspect after it was revealed that no drugs had been found in Japanese system. Police could not confirm he was in Boulder at the time either, and his DNA did not match the profile generated from the samples found. When they searched his house, authorities did find child pornography. Okay. So there's clearly mental health issues yeah. there. Some details that I found that... I thought were interesting, but honestly didn't like really fit into certain areas. So I just kind of collected them and thought I could read them at once. So later on in a book, Burke Ramsey seemed to have recovered his memory, but to me, his answer seemed awkward and he was clearly uncomfortable. When asked how he thought John Bonet had been killed, he replied, I have no idea. In this interview, he had been explicit in describing what had happened to her. He confirmed that her bedwetting had been a big problem. Burke said he played some Nintendo on the afternoon of the 25th. When shown a photograph of the pineapple and bowl, he recognized the bowl. So it came from the house, Mm -hmm. which is a big thing because it didn't come from the intruder. The intruder knew to get a bowl and to feed her, apparently. Right. So he recalled nothing unusual at the White's party other than getting a mild shock from the electric deer fence outside. This is Burke, the brother. He said his sister fell asleep in the car on the way home, but awakened to help carry presents into the house of a friend. So like I said before in the episode one, they went to a friend's house, mm-hmm. dropped off gifts, went to another friend's house, dropped off gifts, and then went home. Burke is remembering she woke up, and according to the interviews, she hadn't. She but was still sleeping the she car. She was still sleeping the whole time. Okay. And then when they got home, JonBenet walked in slowly and walked up the spiral stairs to bed just ahead of Patsy. That was... Like I said, quite a bit different than the initial and frequently repeated story mm-hmm. that she was carried to bed. A lot of people are saying, like, oh, he's confused. He was too young to remember, yada, yada, yada. But I just think that's kind of weird because this is this was in his, I think, his original or his only interview with Dr. Phil is when he's saying all this. And I'm like, you know, he's making his parents out to be liars because they're continuously saying the same thing. I would be I would really be interested to see what his interview was like with police mm-hmm. like that first interview i don't think that's ever been released what they asked him and what he said no um and i think it's because a child psychologist was in every single interview with him oh, okay. um, which i think is a good idea because yeah you don't want the f- police forcing him to say what right. they want to yeah. hear um 
And I think because of the psychologist, it's like the confidentiality yep. thing. I don't think they have to publish it. And including that he was obviously a minor. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah, I it don't just, know. It would be interesting to know what, what he, said. he said. Yeah, because yeah. it could be that he said all of the same things that he's saying right now. And that's why police were very skeptical of, of the, the Ramses because mm-hmm. it was very conflicting. And usually a child, most children do not know how to lie until they're older or told to or told to so Mm -hmm. i mean yeah that's interesting very weird well and like i said the parents said that he slept through the whole thing and he didn't and that's another thing they lied about so you know if you're being caught in lies while you're interviewing Mm -hmm. or being interviewed hello like of course you're gonna be suspicious there's just some details that you could go back and say, oh, you know what? He was awake, mm-hmm. but this wasn't... They said that he was asleep the entire time, but he could be heard in the background of the police call. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess he was awake. Yeah, exactly. How do you not know that? Yeah. I don't know. So a heavy flashlight was taken that could have been the blunt force trauma to her head from the house. Okay. The broken glass window in the basement, you know, they kept saying there was no for the longest time they said there was no evidence of Mm -hmm. uh forced entrance but then later it came out that the glass was broken in the basement like we had said there were marks on jamine's neck that looked like a stun gun Hmm. and there were shoe prints that were found like i said by her body but never had been connected to anyone Mm -hmm. so uh also when officer french arrived at the ramsey house early that morning patsy told him that jamine had gone to bed wearing a red turtleneck. And then when she was found, she was wearing a white t-shirt that she had been wearing the night before. But then in interviews, there was one that said she was wearing the red turtleneck. And then there was one that said that she was wearing the white shirt. I also get it because when you're in shock, you don't know what you're doing or saying. Yeah. I remember I was in a car accident and it flipped like Mm -hmm. completely over. And it was... For the car flipping, it was a very mild car accident. Like, no one got hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, We just hit black ice and hit a ditch and flipped. I remember, though, I was in shock. I We were upside down when I... I don't think I blacked out, but I also kind of, like, blacked out at the same time. Mm Because I I don't remember fully flipping, but then I remember kind of, like, coming to, and I was upside down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy crap, what just happened? So I unbuckle my seatbelt. I crawl out of the back of the car because our doors weren't opening. And I remember I lost my shoes. And it was dead winter. Like I said, we hit black ice. And I could not drop the fact that I dropped my shoes and I, cu- I couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking in the snow. Oh, my God, I need my shoes. My dad's going to kill me if he finds out I lost my shoes. Mm-hmm. And I just flip and flipped in a car. <laughs> like, he doesn't give a shit about my shoes. You know what I'm yes. saying? But being in shock, you don't know what you're saying. And you don't rationalize yeah. things. So, like, I can understand mm-hmm. Patsy or John being confused. You know what I'm saying? Well, and not... I can see how they wouldn't be so focused on what she was wearing to bed that night. Because it was just another night. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Did she stay in the clothes that she fell asleep in? Mm -hmm. Did we change her clothes? And then it becomes like, well, was it last night or the night before? It can get very jumbled. Like you said, when you're in a state of shock and you're not quite understanding what's going on or what's happening or what's in front of you and you've lost your daughter... It can be really hard to put those details together exactly in the right order. Exactly. And then the other thing I want to touch on that I read a few seconds ago is the whole John mentioning she wet her bed a lot. So if you remember from the first episode, I mentioned that her pants were soiled. 
Mm-hmm. Like she had peed her pants. Mm-hmm. So whether that was from her just peeing her pants or if it was from her being scared, I'm not sure. Yeah. Something that I also want to mention that I've read before is a lot of children as they get older will continue to wet their bed if yep. they're being molested. Yep. And not saying that that she was, but that's something else to think about was this person that killed her and stuff. Did he, they take it too far this time? Yeah. Was she being molested by a, a family friend mm-hmm. this whole time and no one knew? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I mean, that's a big assumption, but it could be a possibility. You never yeah. really know, unfortunately, especially if this person got into their house, no one heard them, no one, anything. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, this person came into their house, brought the daughter downstairs, fed her food and... Well, and she wasn't, she didn't seem alarmed at all. I mean, they did say that it, she had marks from a stun gun. So maybe at one point she became alarmed and knew something was wrong and that was when they used a stun gun on her Mm -hmm. but for her to be able to go downstairs get some pineapple in a bowl from her home yeah eat it i mean and the contents were still in her stomach so she wasn't killed very long after she ate it but at some point she must have realized that this didn't seem okay something was going wrong yeah so during burke's interview Things that he had mentioned. One, uh, John Bonet fell asleep in the car on the way home, but woke up to help carry presents into the house at one of the friends' house. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they got home, John Bonet was still awake and walked slowly up to her bedroom. And Burke remained downstairs and played with John, the dad. And he and John talked about how it was time for bed. Those are all details that are different from the original interviews in the continuous story of the night's events mm-hmm. by the parents. Okay, so I found a interview of Patsy that was from August 28th, 2000, and we're going to kind of play it out. I'll be the detective, and Leah will be Patsy, mm-hmm. just so it's easier and you can understand what's going on. Yeah. John Bonet was found wearing the Wednesday Bloomies underpants, and your understanding is correct. That is a fact. You can accept that as a fact when she was found murdered. Those underpants do not fit her. Were you aware of that? Are you stating that as a matter of fact for a six-year-old child? I am saying that as a matter of fact, he said. And then he questions her and says, Miss Ramsey, your daughter weighed, I believe, 45 pounds, correct? Uh-huh. She was a six-year-old? Uh-huh. What size underpants would you normally buy for her? Eight to ten. Miss Ramsey, would you say that it is safe to assume that if she is wearing underpants designed for someone who weighs 85 pounds, who is 10 to 12 years old, that those would not fit her? Those... I mean, I am sure she could wear them, yes, but they wouldn't fit as well as a smaller pair. And as a mother, you would know that someone who is 85 pounds is significantly larger than your little six-year-old. So then the gist of this conversation is Patsy supposedly bought these underwear for a niece, and they were in a pack of multiple pairs that has the day of the week on each of them. They were size 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. Far too large for John Bonet. Patsy says John Bonet wanted them, so the package was in her room, and they weren't going to be given as a gift after all. When questioned about why JonBenet would be given these, when they were way too large for her, Patsy said JonBenet often wore sizes 8 to 10, so a 12 to 14 wouldn't be that much bigger. Yet, her underwear in her drawer only had 4 to 6s, and she had Ooh. 15 pairs of underwear in her drawer, and they were all 4 to 6s. So she is lying for, for the weirdest reason. reason. So then he's, like, questioning, why are you lying? Because you're saying these pair of underwear would fit this much of an older child, and your small child mm-hmm. is wearing these, which were way too big on her. 
So I think he's trying to get to the point of whether she had these underwear or if the intruder brought these underwear. Yeah. Because it just didn't make sense. So Patsy was very vague about the underwear she was put to bed in. She basically just said that she left whatever underwear JonBenet had on the night before, you know, the day before, Mm -hmm. and that all that she had changed her into were the long johns, and she didn't notice if she was wearing anything specifically, which Mm -hmm. I think we had already mentioned. If you, okay, as a woman, I'm sure as men too, but I feel like we wear, wear leggings and stuff. If your underwear are loose and you pull your leggings down, your underwear goes right with it. Yep. So if John Bonet was wearing these giant ass underpants that are multiple size, when she took her pants off, they would have fallen mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. She would have noticed if she was wearing larger underwear. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, so, you know, I just think that's another thing to mention because where did the other underpants come from? And also, I would like to mention they did not find any of the other underwear supposedly that were supposed to be for this cousin the gift. they didn't find one single pair of the other underwear that's so so it's almost like the intruder would have had to known that those were there in the room and took the entire package and that's just something very specific to well, and know then she makes up this huge story that she bought these and yeah. they're not even found in the house that's just so the whole pack and then you're, and you're mm-hmm. telling me he the intruder supposedly went and stole all the other yeah, hair. For what, yeah, for what reason? Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, I just think that's an interesting little tidbit. You know, like where is where is the underwear coming from? Did she make up the story? Is she lying? Did the intruder actually steal all these underwear? And for like what reason? It's just weird. The it just whole seems thing like they were very vague about... Most things. Yeah, and things though that you just you shouldn't be vague about i mean mm-hmm. i can tell you what size all of my kids are in mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat like boom you ask me i know i find it very and i also know if my kids are wearing something that's too big for them or too yeah. small for them so as a mother it's just very difficult for patsy to be so well i don't know what she was wearing and i don't know if she had on the larger pair you would know mm-hmm. and if she didn't know her husband would know that's not something that you just completely overlook Yes, and then another interesting thing about the underwear is John's fibers from his wool sweater were found inside of John Bonet's underwear. Hmm. And if he supposedly never changed her that night, why were his why were his sweater fibers in her underwear? The only thing I, is if he helped her go to the bathroom or something. Yeah, like, like that's that. another thing that could have happened. I but I don't know. Then she would have had on. But then there again, he would have seen what underwear she was wearing because mm-hmm. he helped her use the restroom. So and he how... would have noticed they were humongous on mm-hmm. her. And would have been like, why are you wearing these? Yeah. And that wouldn't have been comfortable. No. Because us as adults, if you're wearing something that's too big, it's not comfortable. And as kids, if my kids, if there is a tag or it is too big or it is too small, they don't hesitate. They don't it takes them one second to tell me I don't want to wear this because of this this and this mm-hmm. and if it's something too big they're like no I don't like it yeah it's too big I don't like it mm-hmm. so, so I don't see John Bonet being like yeah I want to wear I really well, want to wear these really big underwear yes. and they're just because they say yeah and I also want to mention in the beginning John Bonet was very specific on what she wanted to wear to the party mm-hmm. her mom wanted to match her and John Bonet said absolutely not I'm wearing this mm-hmm. so like Obviously, she was picky about her clothing, and now you're telling me she was wearing ginormous underwear that probably fell off every five seconds that she moved her pants, and yet 
Or probably got like all bungee. Yeah, I just, I'm not, bought. and then, but to say that these underwear were a gift and that she wanted these and she wanted that one pair, but then the rest of them are nowhere to be found. Yeah. I just, that's just Well, really another strange. thing, which this is a stretch and I can acknowledge that, but at the same time, typically I feel like, I don't have kids yet, but when you have a kid and you're buying them something, when you buy a cousin something cute yeah. and you have the same like you have a daughter and you're buying something for another little mm-hmm. girl. I feel like a lot of times you end up buying two of the exact same thing because you're like, Oh, I want her to have it too. You know what I mean? So like, or if even something similar, like I you have thought to yeah. buy her, your daughter underwear too. Whenever, whenever I'm going out and buying gifts. Um, I mean, I have a brother expecting a baby soon. And when I was buying onesies for their daughter, I couldn't help but be like, Oh, this would be so cute on my child. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just like a natural thing that you, yeah, and it might not always be the same thing, but you're like, well, this is cute. I want to get something also for mine. So, yeah, it's just – it's just, or if JonBenet really wanted those underwear, why wouldn't you just go buy them for her? Yeah. like. But to hadn't... make up this elaborate story that it was a gift for her niece, she wanted them, and she only wore this one pair, and then the rest of them just disappeared mm-hmm. into thin air. Yeah. That's just a little strange. For sure. So – Moving on to some other just random facts. So there were a lot of prints on the sheet metal, the wrapping paper, the floor safe. There was prints on the basement toilet, a boot print on the toilet top by the crawl space, prints on the windowsill. Someone must have touched all of this. Now this, everything I'm saying here is in the basement around where she was found. Okay. And there were prints found everywhere. And so clearly that's another place where people... Frequent. Frequent. Clear. Yeah. Because, I mean, <sighs> there's there's boot prints and there's a million fingerprints. And supposedly, but there were no fingerprints on the broken window. Mm-mm. There's just too many weird things in this case. So, I did find something in regards to the Santa Claus at the party. Later information was revealed about two children of Bill and Janet McReynolds, who is who was the Santa Claus that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, a daughter, Jill, had been abducted with a friend. And when she was nine years old and the friend was molested and then both girls were released, which I think, what are the flipping odds? That's very specific. And I I also, I couldn't find whether the person who did this to them was found, but I just think, what are the odds of that? So it was Santa from the Christmas party they said that did this? No, Santa's kids. So his daughter, his daughter's name is Jill. So Santa was So he played Santa. Yes. He's the Santa from the night. His daughter, Jill and her friend were abducted at nine years old hmm. and the friend was molested and then they were both released. But I'm just saying, what are the effing odds that that would happen? Very. So flipping very weird. slim. Because. Well, especially in the area that they're living. I, again, I'm not saying that crime happens just in like poor areas. It happens everywhere. But for them to both be abducted, molested and then released and they don't have any clue of who did it or mm-hmm. what happened. That just, it's, that's a stretch. For sure. When I saw that, I was like, what the actual hell? How does that happen? Well, I'm like, to be, to, like, the odds of it just of two people. But sisters. Being friends. No, I'm saying like the dads. Be, mm-hmm. The dads being friends and both their daughters were kidnapped and molested. I mean, granted, JonBenet did unfortunately die and mm-hmm. Jill did not but mm-hmm. I mean I, ju- I just think that's absolutely crazy well and you mentioned earlier how John Bonet was telling a family f- 
friend or the fr- uh, the mom of a friend that she was visited by Santa and yeah, special she just visitation. assumed it was like oh in her she, imagination yeah so that makes me question I don't know if they I'm assuming they looked into this I they feel like they had to have yeah I do know that or it, I actually do know they looked into it because I saw another interview I came across because there's a website out there which I can link or you know something it has like every interview mm-hmm. the transcript of all the interviews I'm assuming it's not every single one but a quite a bit of them and I was reading in one of the interviews and they were asking Patsy about it and they were like do you remember her saying any of this like what it what do you know about this and she's like I don't know anything I've never she never said anything but honestly I don't freaking trust Patsy because of the crap no. she said and lied about did she say this and just not was she embarrassed I don't know you know what I mean like I don't yeah. know there's a I mean there's a lot of theories there's a lot of questions and I feel like there's still a lot of questions that haven't even been answered that people ask about what John Bonet's life was as mm-hmm. a child because you don't really know what her life was like as a child with the family because the family has been so guarded and they've been so close and I get yeah. it on one hand I do but it's really hard for the public to paint any other picture than that you're being suspicious if you're not willing to kind of open up and yeah. share and you were caught lie- lying multiple times yeah, about very dumb things yes like the size of underwear for your child yeah like uh, what? it's weird yeah mm-hmm. a lot of people have a lot of questions about this case there's you know just so many things that just don't make sense yep so some of the questions were the, there was a whole speculation or a whole thing about these barbies that were in her room um and they were naked and i guess it was like a big deal i honestly don't understand the the fascination with this I, well from, I guess, like a child psychologist would probably have better insight. But I think if children are playing with dolls naked, it's supposed to signify that, again, not, don't quote me, but that more or less they could have been molested because it's them in a way acting out, like what's being feeling done violated, like what's being done to them. Because most kids don't ever think to undress a doll because in their eyes they don't understand the concept of that signifying like being naked in a way Mm -hmm. um like i mean like barbie dolls like yeah my daughter for example she doesn't her all of her barbie dolls are completely clothed but has she ever played with them naked i don't know but some people say that if the dolls are completely naked or like disfigured Mm. or like haircut things like that it's supposed to show that there's a possibility that they're being molested and this is their way of kind of like acting out this is the only yeah. way they know how to express it. Okay, so maybe I'm that's sure why there's people... a bunch of studies on it. I encourage everyone to go look it up because I'm not <laughs> a psychologist. But yeah, no, that's interesting because a lot of people were questioning this, and I I didn't really see the significance in it. Yeah, um, and I do want to mention these Barbies were not little baby, not baby, but normal Barbies. It was like the life size. Those like, oh yeah, do you remember, remember those? those? Yeah, yes. I, they don't sell them anymore. No, but they, they were don't. Flipping huge. They were. They're like taller than you. Yeah, like when and you're they little. Yeah, you know, you could put them um, in the corner. Yeah, those were a little creepy. But yeah. when you're little, though, you're like, those are the coolest those thing ever. Cool- yeah, it's like having a little friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. So, yeah. So, um, and it was a life-size ginormous Barbie. Mm-hmm. There was also a, a lot of questions about John Bonet's treehouse. It was right outside. And so I'm thinking people were indicating maybe the person was hanging out in the treehouse and then got mm-hmm. into the house by, like, looking into the windows and things to see when people went to sleep. Well, another 
theory to almost kind of throw out there. Yeah, like hanging out in the treehouse to see, but another Maybe reason they were, why... she was meeting them in the treehouse? Yeah, or well, in my opinion, why I just... My theory is that JonBenet knew her killer is mm-hmm. just because I feel like there was some type of trust built with yeah. this person. So whether they were hanging out in the treehouse and it was like their little secret and that was how they were figuring out when people went to sleep, but I think it even went deeper than that. I think this person made a relationship with John Bonet. And how would the parents have known if it was a type of family friend? That they also trusted. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like they had hundreds of friends, which, hey, more power to you. But um, they wouldn't, maybe they wouldn't have seen someone slip away and go focus on their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't take it as a an appropriate thing. They encouraged it as like, oh, like they're being yeah. so sweet to them. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. never know. There were barefoot in the wine cellar and this is to be rumored or speculated that this was the last place John Bonet stood before mm. her death you know unfortunately with a case like this there is just so much information yeah. that it's almost it's like overwhelming yep. because one you want to make sure you're presenting it correctly and telling mm-hmm. the actual facts and two you also want to mention all the little nitty gritty information as well because I think it's just as important yep. as the big events you know and I wanted to make sure what I was saying was as truthful as I could possibly present it, but also I didn't want to miss anything. You know, like there's so yeah. much in this case. Well, and it was such a hope, such a high profile case at its mm-hmm. time. It was kind of, I mean, it was a national phenomenon yeah. how this little girl was found dead in her basement and there's no clues as to who could have done it. Yeah. So I can see why there's so much information because you have the entire, not even just the country, you have the entire world looking, looking in this, on yeah. your life and picking apart every single little piece. And I'm sure they had millions of people calling in with tips mm-hmm. and ideas and theories. I'm sure the case was humongous. Yeah. And something I want to mention, I did not mention it throughout this whole thing, but John Bonet was a beauty queen. Yes. She was in competitions and things like mm-hmm. that. I think that... The main reason I didn't really think it, not that it's not necessary to bring up because mm-hmm. it is, but at the same time, I feel like when you look at this case, that's the first thing you see, that she was a beauty queen, she was in beauty pageants and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And I don't really think her beauty is like that important. I think it's more so that she was killed and it's still unsolved. And I don't like that they glamorize that she was that. Yeah. Because I'm like, she's more than that. She's a, a little girl who was freaking killed. Almost like that's why she was targeted. Yeah, that's not why. You know, yeah. her dad was interviewed, obviously, a gazillion times. And he had mentioned, like, was it someone from the community that... Because uh, you kind of, like, sexualize these children. It's kind of well, and messed I think, up. I think the public, and I think maybe the reason why they keep honing in on the fact that she was... Um, a pageant queen Mm -hmm. i think the public tried saying that well no wonder someone did this to her because look what the parents put her through yeah and i just i don't fully agree with that i don't either i don't think that just you're putting on blame you're putting blame where it's not necessary exactly and from anything and everything that you know um they said it seemed like she enjoyed it yeah like a lot of people think that she enjoyed it and maybe and that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. if that's what she enjoys and that's her hobby at well, a six years old, I think that's awesome. You know, yes. like, who cares? But at the same time, it, it, that's not her whole identity. You know right. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't like that they kind of 
hone in on that yeah. and make it about that. Yeah. Like you'd rather see just the pictures of her hanging out with her family, not yeah. the ones where she's like done up with all the mm-hmm. makeup and like, what do they call those? The, fl- the flippers, the yes. fake teeth the and fake everything. Teeth. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So, yeah. So I just think obviously it's important to mention because you'll see it everywhere you possibly mm-hmm. Google her. Um, but like I said, the dad was interviewed and he mentioned, you know, maybe I sh- he regrets putting her through them even though she liked it because he's like, what if I introduced her to her killer and I don't even know it. And you know, like what if he was in the crowd? He, well, the way he worded it was he regretted it because he thinks that maybe he, like I said, introduced her to him mm-hmm. or kind of like sexualized her to yeah. these perverts that possibly could come to the shows. Well, like that's, that's that whole double edged sword thing. It's again. like the, you never, it, you could, she, she could have met him at the park. She could have. I mean, it yes. could have been anywhere. But you, that's like saying, oh, just for example, um, if your children are swimmers, we'll just say swimmers. And sometimes for swimming, they, when they're practicing, they'll wear a one piece. But mm-hmm. sometimes in the summertime, they wear two pieces. It's not like bikini, but you could easily say that that's being sexualized. Yeah. You know, like, uh, don't let your daughter swim because you could be sexualizing her in a swimsuit. No, she should be able to swim and wear a swimsuit. It's the people that are looking at her that way. Are sexualizing her, not what she's doing. Exactly. You shouldn't look at a girl that's wearing a swimsuit and feel anything other than, oh, that's a cute pink swimsuit. It's the public's problem, not the child. Even even adults, even when you're in high school, you know, there's Mm -hmm. stricter dress codes are a lot more strict against girls compared to the men yeah like there are a lot of wear tank tops and w- the girls aren't you know yep. it's just stupid and so we're we just need to change the way we are viewing women period and to have jean benet's face be out there the face that she had when she was in the Done beauty up. pageants mm-hmm. it's not to me that's just very um it's not a good rep- representation no because you have her with like her airbrushed makeup i mean the photos even are photoshopped it's not Mm -hmm. even what she really looked like and she's got those fake teeth and everything else you know you should be remembering her as she was aside from all of that behind all the makeup and like the poofy hair and it is very sad that it's like when you think of her case I know exactly what you're saying because it's as soon as I think of her name and her case I automatically go to that picture where she's got the done up hair and she's got her like her um, fist is like on her cheek. She's just kind of like leaning against it's it. Like a headshot. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's a headshot. I automatically think of that headshot. And mm-hmm. you're right. That's the picture that's been plastered with mm-hmm. her case. And exactly. it's sad that that is probably her that's identity. how she'll always be identified. Exactly. As. Yep. So unfortunately, with this case, there is so much information. It is overwhelming. So you know, I I'm sure I've missed things, but I have spent so long looking into this case. Uh, Jomini's murder has truly made me stop and think of the case because it, it's just a very suspicious case. I don't know. It, it, you would think it would be closed and done by now because it. But there were so many early mistakes, mm-hmm. so many missteps. There were, like we said, there were so many people in the house, so much DNA. I don't it'll never be solved yeah it'll always be this will be one of those cases that withstands the tale of time and I don't think it'll ever be resolved or it will 
sometime maybe when the advancements come along mm-hmm. in technology and they're able to test the DNA and definitively figure out who did it. Yeah. But I don't think we'll be around when that comes. Yeah, I agree because, you know, there are so many unanswered questions mm-hmm. and there is so much evidence in DNA that I think it almost hinders the case Yeah, because they don't know what to do with it all. Yeah. It's like too much in there's not a big enough pool yeah. to figure out what happened. Um, I, like we said, I just don't think it'll be solved. I think unless someone comes forward, which I don't think they will, mm-hmm. that's the only way it's going to be solved, yeah. unfortunately. And so as always, you know, if you or you know anyone that has any information related to this investigation, we ask that you contact the Boulder Police Department tip line at 303-441-1974 or contact the Northern Colorado Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. As always, we thank you for listening to Crime Connections. If you would so kindly, please follow, share, and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. If you have any news, tips, or cases you want us to look into, please feel free to email us or DM us. We really do truly love hearing from you guys and appreciate it. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you.